morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning, 9.17 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is May 17th, 2019. This is episode 98 of Bitcoin and, and it's going to be short. Or uh, I'm not going to do some of the other segments today. I got some some stuff that I got to roll out, and you guys are going to, you know, busy looking at charts. So I figured I'd just give you the news, and we get on with our weekend. And first thing up is going to be obviously the Bitcoin Cash. I got to you got to you got to cover Bcash network glitches after undergoing scheduled hard fork. I mean, it wouldn't be Bitcoin and if we didn't. This is from Francisco Memoria. Uh, this was on the fifteenth when, uh, like, I had already cut the show on the fifteenth when this thing happened. My God. Okay, so <clears throat> what happened? After going through a planned update this weekend, May 15, 2019, the Bcash network stopped processing transactions for various blocks over what some were claiming to be an issue with the Bitcoin ABC client. The cryptocurrency's blockchain has since started processing transactions again. According to Coin.Dance data, most blocks on the Bitcoin on the Bcash blockchain mined after the hard fork were only processing the Coinbase transaction, meaning unconfirmed transactions were piling up on the network and users weren't able to transact. Behind the problem, according to a Reddit thread, was an issue with Bitcoin ABC, a client most cryptocurrency miners are running that was stopping transactions from being processed. The issue, first spotted by BitMEX Research, could be unrelated to the scheduled hard fork. Uh, on social media, some users have argued miners were processing empty blocks to avoid processing transactions that could be malicious or that could be rolled back while the network was facing technical difficulties. BCH's mempool, since the hard fork upgrade, started adding large transactions in terms of data to it, which could suggest someone was indeed trying to take advantage of the situation. Bcash's core developers repeatedly worked on fixing the problem as soon as possible. According to BitMEX research, Bcash split into two blockchains, meaning a new cryptocurrency has been created. Uh, a hard fork is known as an upgrade that isn't backwards compatible, which means those who don't upgrade their software end up forking off of the main chain. According to Cornell University pro professor, oh, you know it's coming, Emin Sir, the BCH network wasn't processing transactions as it came under attack thanks to an old bug in block template creation. Gunn <clears throat> added that somebody, someone spent months sitting on this bug but only chose to exploit it now during the network upgrade. So Emin, his, his tweet's right here, and it says, to quote, BCH came under attack today due to an old bug in block template creation. Attack led to empty blocks for a short while until patched. Otherwise, has little effect. Uh, God. Mm. Meanwhile, cryptocurrency exchanges started to react to the problem with Poloniex... <clears throat> revealing it has disabled deposits and withdrawals in the cryptocurrency in the meantime. Poloniex Exchange's tweet says BCH 
had an issue with the planned hard fork scheduled for today. As a result, we have disabled deposits and withdrawals for B, uh, BCHABC until further notice. BCH core developers are working on it. Thank you for your patience. Yikes. God. What a buffoonery. The cryptocurrency, or should it even be called that at this point? I don't even know if it can be called that, but we'll, we'll, we'll soldier on. The cryptocurrency which was created through a hard fork of the Bitcoin network in August of 2017, recently made headlines as it was outshining the wider crypto market rally this week. The hard fork, which added Schnorr signatures to optimize the blockchain and added SegWit recovery, is believed to have helped its performance. It's worth noting that on November 17, 2018, the BCH network underwent a hard fork that led to the creation of Bitcoin Satoshi's vision. Uh, you know... They copy and pasted Schnorr signatures, and it's, you know, nobody really, nobody really knows. I don't think anybody has a full understanding of exactly what happened with this chain split. But one thing that is certain, I mean, what I mean by that is like we we don't know exactly. I mean, was it the fact that they are are just unable to handle what's coming out of 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 the actual Bitcoin as, as far as code is concerned and keep fucking it up. That's what it looks like to me. They have no idea how this shit works anymore because they're they're They've been working on a, on an inferior product for a long, long time now. And I'm, I'm, it wouldn't surprise me at all if when they forked or, or, or if that fork wasn't caused by the implementation of Schnorr signatures that they, and, and the other thing, the other things that they just basically copy and paste and then, do some some work on the code <clears throat> and then put into their shitty blockchain. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if that if that is what happened on this one. But it, one thing that is for sure that it's this is an inferior inferior cryptocurrency. There is nothing about Bcash that that should excite anybody other than the people that don't own it, like me, who just sit there and just look at this shit show. Going, my God, I'm so glad that I got out when I did. Because of all the all the clown show stuff that's gone on around this thing is just, I can just sit back and and not have to worry about my bag. That's all I'm saying. So uh, apparently, bags are being bought by the Chinese, uh, the people of China. CCN. Uh, oh, I love this dude's name. Uh, Harsh Chahan. Harsh. His first name is Harsh. Dude, that's that's freaking awesome, man. Um, so this is for this is from yesterday, the sixteenth. Uh, CCN.com. Harsh is reporting Bitcoin is on a tear as the price of the flagship crypto- cryptocurrency has gone supersonic in 2019. It is widely believed that Bitcoin's remarkable rally is a result of booming institutional interest in the cryptocurrency as investors are looking for alternative asset classes to park their funds. Ever hear of steel bunnies? Sorry. <clears throat> at a time when the uh, stock market is in turmoil and the global economy is on edge, but it looks like institutional buying isn't the only catalyst driving Bitcoin's price. The Chinese are reportedly piling into Bitcoin, believing it to be a safe investment at a time when the yuan is taking a hit thanks to the U.S.-China trade war. 
Uh, the Chinese government has a hostile approach towards Bitcoin, delivering blow after blow to the cryptocurrency industry in general. From shuttering exchanges to outlawing ICOs and considering a ban on mining activities, the Chinese government has made it clear that it doesn't love crypto. But the Chinese people are counting on Bitcoin in a time when the yuan is crumbling under the pressure of the trade war. The Chinese yuan slipped to its lowest level in the last six months earlier this week after the country announced countermeasures against Trump's tariffs. The yuan suffered its steepest single-day drop since last July after China announced that it will impose tariffs in the range of 5 to 25% on $60 billion worth of U.S. goods. Analysts believe that the Chinese are dumping the yuan in favor of BTC. It's not a bad idea. According to David Cheatham, or I guess Cheatham, the chief market analyst at trading platform XTB cited in Yahoo Finance, quote, Rather than investors seeking out inherently risky assets as safe havens, a more likely explanation is the recent drop in the Chinese yuan and the expectation of a further depreciation when Beijing seeks to make exports more attractive in response to the latest round of U.S. tariffs, end quote. Davi Wan, who is the co-founder of crypto holding firm Primitive Ventures, has a similar view. And there's a quote, uh, a tweet from her that just says, it's got a couple of graphs and says, maybe just a coincidence, but you tell me. Bitcoin is winning the trade war while China and U.S. is a lose-lose. And she is, she's absolutely correct. The Chinese government has stringent measures in place to prevent the dumping of the yuan, limiting the yuan's outflow to just 50000 U.S. dollars a year. But Bitcoin gives them a way to circumvent that limit despite a ban on cryptocurrency exchanges with the help of over-the-counter dealers and peer-to-peer exchanges such as local Bitcoins. According to Philippe Boxy, CEO of trading firm XBTO, cited in Forbes as saying, quote, I've talked to a bunch of traders on the ground in Hong Kong. There's a booming business in stablecoins because people are getting money out of China and Hong Kong. Not surprisingly, weekly Bitcoin volumes on local Bitcoins have spiked. In March, China was the fifth largest country in terms of Bitcoin volume on peer-to-peer platform. On on the peer-to-peer platform, what's more, a closer look indicates that Chinese Bitcoin buying on local Bitcoins has gathered pace in recent weeks. In the, if the U.S.-China trade war takes a turn for the worse, the price of Bitcoin can spike further and possibly reclaim the peak twenty thousand U.S. dollars level once again. Harsh, harsh. I love that dude's name. Uh, Blockstream releases first enterprise-grade product on Liquid. This is out of Bitcoin Magazine. This is Colin Harper writing May 15th. Security tokens are coming to Bitcoin courtesy of Blockstream. I'm not sure I like that. I don't. Well, I guess it doesn't really matter. The Bitcoin and blockchain technology company announced on May 15th, 2019, the final day of the Consensus 2019 conference, that Liquid Securities, a platform for issuing and managing security tokens on its Liquid sidechain, is ready to go live. This platform will provide Liquid and its users with a first product to issue with its first product to issue digital assets, a foundational milestone for bringing tokenization to the Bitcoin network. Launched in October 2018, the Liquid sidechain is an auxiliary, auxiliary, I'm never, I'm having a bad time this morning, y'all, auxiliary, I'm just going to go with it, network built on Bitcoin, primarily to enable low-fee, low-latency transfers between exchanges. Blockstream has always advertised the potential for digital asset issuance on the sidechain, a promise it is now fulfilled in collaboration with Liquid Securities' inaugural partner, Tokensoft, Bank to the Future, Zenus Bank, and Pixelmatic. 
Quote, this is big for Liquid to move from something that is used by exchanges towards a more advanced financial network. Alan Piscitello, director of product management at Blockstream, told Bitcoin Magazine. Piscitello went on to say that one of the benefits of Liquid Securities includes having an asset that is both verifiable and auditable, but also private. When issuing a token on Liquid, a company can keep specific details like supply allocation, etc., private while allowing a trusted third party to audit operations. This means that enterprises don't have to trade off privacy for transparency to stay compliant with regulations all while leveraging one of the most secure blockchain networks in the world. No, it is the most secure blockchain. It's not one of them. It is probably the only actually secure blockchain in the world. We've been speaking to the financial institutions for the past year, and one thing that was very common in the requests that they give is that they are looking for being able to move assets privately. They're looking for a scalable solution as well, Mason Borda, CEO of Tokensoft, told Bitcoin Magazine. They're all familiar with the liquid name. Branding is important, I guess. The platform comes with a variety of issuer controls for tailoring a token to each user's specific use case. They can, for instance... Choose to manage tokens through Liquid Securities API or outsource this job to one of Liquid's partners if it's too onerous. There are also internal controls for managing token issuance based on criteria like regulations and geographic restrictions, among others. Piscatello believes that this will help to tame the Wild West of ICOs, which frequently confront geographic or regulatory restrictions during token sales. It will also make it easier for companies to issue tokens because they don't need to roll out their own smart contracts, he said. Offering an alternative to the free-for-all model of the ICO boom, Liquid's tokenization platform could be an attractive option for regulated players. Mashegh Tomvison founder of Zenus Bank, told Bitcoin Magazine, quote, being a very regulated entity, we're be, we've been searching for a compliant solution for our clients and stakeholders, he said. Companies interested in the platform can apply for early access. And they give a link here. So that's it for that. Um, I don't know. If I say anything bad about this, I'm going to get harshed on. I just, I, I'm, I don't see the need for tokens. Of course, that's just probably probably pure ignorance, but I, I mean, I went through the whole ICO thing. I mean, I, we we all watched it happen together, and we saw one token after another, and they were being called utility tokens or some other kind of token, and it was all a bag of shit. So the only thing that I can even remotely hope for in this regard is that that they don't let that sh- that kind of crap happen. That somehow or another. We've learned our lesson from the ICO, but if IEOs are any indication, I'm not so sure that that's actually true. I don't, I'm not sure if we've learned our lesson. So having another tool to create another ICO uh, craze, if it's, if it's possible to be, you know, if it looks like it's possible to do that is, I don't know. I don't know if it's healthy. I mean, some of the other use cases for the liquid uh, liquid network seem rock solid, but man, I just get I get an allergic reaction whenever I hear somebody start talking about may, spinning up a token. Um, okay, moving on. Minnesota representative to reintroduce hard fork tax reform bill. <laughs> Landon Manning out of Bitcoin Magazine's writing this as of yesterday, May sixteenth. 
Minnesota Congressional Representative Tom Emmer has announced plans to reintroduce a bill meant to provide temporary safe harbor for the tax treatment of hard forks of convertible virtual currency in the absence of administrative guidance. Nice. Representative Emmer participated in a panel on the relationship between government and the crypto industry at Consensus 2019 on May the 13th, wherein he first announced an attempt to continue the fight for his hard fork bill. Joined by industry leaders and government personalities, Emmer publicly acknowledged acknowledged this, that the sort of limbo that crypto holders find themselves in when one of their cur- cryptocurrency holdings undergoes a hard fork. When a coin forks in such a way, tax agencies currently have grounds to consider the new fork coin assets as undeclared income. The first iteration of this bill was introduced by Emmer in September 2018, when it was immediately transferred over to the jurisdiction on the House Committee of Ways on Ways and Means, having effectively died in committee with no significant update since. Emmer has now declared that the updated version of the bill will differ in several ways from the text of the original possibly including protections for other means of crypto assets holding, such as airdrops. The issuance of crypto asset forks has been a recurring topic of discussion in the space for several years now, ever since the first major fork coins were created from the original Bitcoin blockchain. The practice has gained quite a deal of notoriety recently, however, upon the fork of Bcash in November 2018. Bcash is itself one of the most famous of the original fork coins, and this subsequent split raised many questions about the status of fork coins in the future. In particular, clarifying the legal status of these assets in the tax ecosystem seems pressing. Emmer gave no concrete timetable as to when he plans to reintroduce his bill titled The Safe Harbor for Taxpayers with Forked Assets Act. He has mentioned support from other representatives in a blockchain caucus, which may give this second attempt at getting the bill passed a better chance. So, you know, uh, if you do this right, this is unnecessary. But you have to do it right. And, and most people... I, you know, a good section of people are not going to be able to do this right. And what do I mean by that? You don't keep your money on or your, your Bitcoin or whatever coin that you, whatever bag of crap that you're sitting on, if it forks and it's on an exchange that has KYC, everybody's going to know automatically. Uh, Coinbase is going to give your IRS data over to, or your uh, data over to the IRS and they're going to know. Or if you're in another country, Coinbase will will give them that shit too. Uh, and that goes for, you know, just consider all exchanges, um, not only a, not a safe place to keep your crypto assets, but also every time you send them some crypto because you're going to trade bags of shit with each other, um, just, re- just remember that you've automatically doxed yourself. I mean, they, they know what wallet it came from. So... About the only thing that you can do is, you know, if you got your coins on Coinbase and you're about to, you know, somebody starts talking about a, a fork of your actual coin and it's, or like, let's say it's Bitcoin because uh, all the rest of it's garbage. <clears throat> let's say you got some Bitcoin on Coinbase and you need to get it off, you know, try to, try to mask it with, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, I'm trying to think. I cannot remember if Coinbase supports BEC32, so you could send it directly to Wasabi. I'm not sure if that would work or not. But in, in if you can get it like CoinJoin, um, 
off of, you know, go to an exchange for, or get it off an exchange, go to and somehow or another coin join it and then pipe it into like a, a, a hardware wallet that you're, that only you were in control of. At that point, it's going to be really, really difficult uh, for anybody to actually know. But I mean, if you're KY, if you KYC yourself and you got crap on Coinbase and Bitcoin, like let's say undergoes another fork because some idiot decides that he wants to make a better Bitcoin, uh, you're you'd be on the hook. Now, thank God for you know people like Emmer who are actually forward-thinking people, so that uh, th- at least we have some people up on the hill that are starting to get it, and and get it well. Uh, I think Emmer is is one of the uh, one of the better folks is as far as uh, his understanding of and protection of uh, Bitcoin and and I guess the wider cryptocurrency industry, but. Uh, what another report that is uh, surprising, this is out of Colin Harper from Bitcoin Magazine also yesterday, is that the CFTC will pay you to report crypto scams. Mm, okay. Nestled in the exhi- exhibition room at this year's consensus conference, the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission had a message for conference goers as they weaved in and out of booths representing various projects and startups in the space. Quote, be on the lookout for virtual currency fraud. And if you see it, let us know. So this is, if you see something, say something bullshit. The whistleblower office of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission is issuing this alert to inform members of the public about how they may make themselves eligible for both financial award, uh, financial awards and certain protections while helping stop fraud and manipulation relating to virtual currencies. A handout from the booth reads... The CFTC has long classified Bitcoin as a commodity, and the document states that CFTC considers all virtual currencies as commodities under the Commodity Exchange Act. This same act gives the agency regulatory power to prosecute virtual currency fraudsters. Since the 2017 price run-up, crypto scams have been on the agency's radar, and it's been keen to keep investors privy to project warning signs. In cooperation with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, CFTC has cracked down on illegal Bitcoin brokers and dealers, as well as fraudulent crypto consult- consultants and token rackets like my Bitcoin. <laughs> wow! In the whistleblower briefing document, the CFTC uses Mister My Bitcoin and Cabbage Tech as textbook examples of scammy behavior. Among other red flags, it warns potential whistleblowers against pump and dump schemes wash slash insiders trading, unregistered derivatives platform, and supervision failures or fraudulent conduct, e.g. creating or reporting fictitious trading by virtual currency exchanges. If you notice any of these behaviors in practice, you don't have to be an insider to be a whistleblower, the document reads. It continues to tell readers that they can tip off bad actors. through the agency's website asking that they provide as much information on the alleged scams and orchestrators as possible. This includes identifying information like social media profiles, screenshots, Bitcoin addresses, email addresses, anyone whose whistleblow ends in more than $1 million in sanctions against such companies are entitled to 10 to 30% of the monetary penalty. Whoa. That'd be like at the top end. That's what? $300,000, man. That's, Wow. Uh, A CFTC representative declined an interview telling Bitcoin magazine that each employee must be cleared by the agency to go on record. 
Bitcoin Magazine did learn that this was the CFTC's first year at Consensus and that the agency had been making its rounds through the cryptocurrency circuit over the past year. So that's going to do it for that. But what to say about that? Um, you know, did they just open the floodgates for, a, you know, a whole bunch of I mean, it's like it's, it's like opening the door to another kind of trolling. Right now, most of these things are scams. Actually, I almost all of them are scams. So, I mean, I, 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 can you imagine being on the, the receiving end of a whole bunch of tweets, phone calls, letters, email, you name it, um, asking them to investigate uh, Craig Wright because uh, he's a fraudster and his friend Calvin Ayer because it's the same shit. You know, I mean, maybe we should. Maybe we should take CFTC up on it and just start hammering Bcash and, and BSV hard, you know, as hard as shit because just scam. Bitcoin price on Bitstamp crashed, we all know, by nearly 20% in minutes, causing $250 million long squeeze. Yikes. This is this morning out of the block crypto. The price of Bitcoin on Bitstamp crashed for, by 18% from 7,600 uh, 7, to 6,250 from 2.58 a.m. UTC to 3.09 a.m. UTC in just 11 minutes. Bitstamp is one of the two exchanges that is used to determine the index price of Bitcoin on BitMEX along with Coinbase. As a result, as the price crashed on Bitstamp, $250 million of long positions was liquidated at BitMEX, which further pushed down price on other exchanges. Mike, you know, if I, I, I could just imagine my Twitter feed because I follow BitMEX Rect, that thing must have been just like on fire. Their, their poor tweet bot must have just been like just devastatingly hammered. Okay, continuing on, Bitstamp said that a large sell order was executed on our BTC USD pair today, strongly impacting the order book, and reiterated that the system behaved as designed, processing and fulfilling the client's orders at order as it was received. Moreover, Bitstamp said that it closely examines every event that causes large-scale movement in its order book. In another 15 minutes after the crash, the price of Bitcoin has recovered and was trading above $7,000 again. At the time of writing, Bitcoin trades... At 7,300, which is about 4% lower than immediately before the crash. So pretty good recovery. It's, it's, I'm, I'm seeing a price of 71.82 at time of recording. So yeah, I was just wondering, you know, I was conjecturing on Twitter this morning if that was Tone Vay's dump in his hodl stack. <laughs> no, I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, but I, here's one thing I don't doubt. Also from the block crypto, Ripple's quarterly reports understated XRP released from ex, ex, escrow by $84 million US. This was this morning. When Ripple's supply schedule and escrow system were taken under a microscope by CoinMetrics, they noticed discrepancies between on-chain data and Ripple's public report. According to CoinMetrics, the number of XRP released from ex, escrow has been underreported in two quarterly market reports. The total difference between the reported figures in the quarterly reports for Q3 2018 and Q1 2019 and on-chain data equals 200 million XRP, approximately $84 million US. Moreover, escrow queue implemented by RippleWorks differently to what the company had originally announced. You think? You think? Really? You think? They might be scamming? Whatever. According to Ripple's original report, the unused coins returned to escrow 
they would go back to the escrow queue to the first slot, that is to say the first month, with no existing escrow. On-chain data, however, tells a different story. It seems that instead of locking unused funds into the first slot, i.e. the first month, with no escrow, they were locked in such a way to maintain the fixed amount of 1 billion XRP in escrow per month. This is a scam. Sorry. Bag holders of XRP, if you're listening to this, delete me. You're not going to, because you're holding a scam coin. This is a scam. This is a giant scam. Moreover, parties potentially associated with Ripple have released as much as 55 million XRP from an address not associated with the company's main escrow account, as if it couldn't get any worse. So, yeah, only thing to say about that is you're holding the bag. Don't don't be a bag holder. Just dump it. Let somebody else hold your bag and, and buy Bitcoin. Not investment advice. Well, vital statistics are going to sound a lot different today than they did on Wednesday. I have a Bitcoin average price of $7,220.99. High is going to be over at, where's the high going to be at? It's going to be at Bitfinex at $7,258. And the low is going to be over at, oh, it looks like it's going to be Coinbase Pro has got it listed at $7,172. 378 or 379,000 transactions were made in the last 24 hours, giving us almost 16,000 transactions per hour on average. 1.5 million BTC were sent over the last 24 hours with an average send per hour of 62.2 BTC, with the average transaction value being 3.9 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.071 BTC or about 500 bucks. And that median transaction value is getting getting right proper, man. <clears throat> We've seen the block time drop to 9 minutes and 14 seconds uh, with 1.5 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 228.1 BTC have been taken in fees over the last 24 hours. We've had a 2% increase of hash rate in the last 24 hours. We're just, you know, 50, we're right above 50 exahashes per second. <clears throat> Excuse me. Last uh, commit to the uh, Bitcoin Core GitHub was yesterday sometime on the 16th. Left to right, Ethereum is at 237. Bcash is at 356. Litecoin is at 88. BSV is at 58. Ethereum Classic is at 7.16. Dogecoin is back down to 0.0028. The Doge pump happens, but quickly goes away, doesn't it? Ah, sucks. So at 29,000 transactions over the last 24 hours for Dogecoin, it is knocking the living snot out of BSV at almost 20,000. But Bcash is up at 71,000. I wonder if they're including all the all the chain transactions sorry never mind anyway that'll do it for vitals this is marty's bent for wednesday may the 15th 2019 sharpening the pitch a series of tweets from hassafly 
He said the first one will start at the top. In my opinion, the smarter investors want to know three things before they acknowledge BTC is a non-scam. One, the market. Two, the innovation. Three, the moat. One, what is the market? People without access to strong currencies like the USD for political or geographical reasons. People without trusted third parties that allow them to reliably transfer and store wealth. Two, what is the innovation? An open P2P network that replicates the ledger on computers around the world, designed from the ground up to survive under the most adversarial conditions. Three, what is the moat? A massive head start in a winner-takes-all, winner-takes-most market? Or, or, sorry, I'm going to do that one again. What is the moat? A massive head start in a winner-takes-all or winner-takes-most market. It leads so much in terms of network effects, liquidity, and community that it may be impossible for other coins at this point to be in the 10x required, or 10x or better required to catch up. <clears throat> Marty's bent on this is here's something from our boy Hasu that caught my eye on Twitter last night. We're big fans of sharpening the pitch here at Marty's bent and the above sequence of tweets does an incredible job of getting to the crux of Bitcoin's value prop, condensing the message to under 840 characters. Impressive stuff. When this particular line of reasoning highlights is Bitcoin's utility as a network that works for the downtrodden. Whether it is a population subjected to a currency experiencing a bout of hyperinflation, a content creator that some of the big tech companies decide they don't like, or an individual in an overtaxed jurisdiction looking to store some of their wealth in a vehicle that is extremely hard to seize, Bitcoin is there for these people. Traditional investors in well-off Western countries may be quick to call Bitcoin a scam because it fulfills a use case that their native currencies already serve quite well helping them understand that they are not alone in the world, that people subjected to the injustices described above exist, and that Bitcoin is so far ahead in the race against potential usurpers that it is the safest place to allocate your money in this asset class. Is the best way to frame this pitch as quickly as possible. Go forth, spread the message, freaks. Yeah, it is pretty cool, man. That's that's. I mean, that is a nice boiling down of, a, of an ocean there from, from House of Fly. Um, and, and I... I cl- clearly, I, I can't disagree with it. So anyway, uh, final thought. My God, it's only Wednesday. Thankfully for us, it is now Friday. Thank you, Marty. All right. Uh, 34 minutes, not bad. Not bad. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I decided to go ahead and, and, and do a shorter one for you just because it's like getting into an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, you know, I gotta get better control on that. Like it needs to either be under an hour or right at an hour and no more. So anyway, uh, you guys go out, have a really good weekend. Um, and you know, don't watch the price too much. It's kind of probably nonsense at this point, you know. Anyway, uh, I'll see you guys on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day. <laughs>